Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane. Drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730 on com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. Joining me as he does every Thursday, he covers the Hornets for ESPN 730, the one, the only, Justin Thomas. Justin, it's week two now of Hive Talk Live Thursdays, but we're deep into this season and approaching the All-Star break. Oh, it's, it's it's always a good time. Two weeks in, I'm enjoying it. I look forward to every Thursday. Um, and Thursday is actually my favorite day of the week. Why? Um, because <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's, it's the day nod. right before Friday. So when I can get off work and, and talk basketball for an hour... No, it, nothing puts a bigger smile on my face. I think you're. I think Friday is your favorite day, and you're just you're just trying to butter me up. But I appreciate it. I, I think that it's it's cool that we're doing two shows now, two live shows, and of course the Saturday sit down. We've got a hot Saturday sit down this week, folks, and I, and I can't wait to tell you about it. I'll wait till a little later in the show, though. That's a, a little tease there for you. You can listen to us live every Tuesday and Thursday at six p.m. right here on Hive Talk Live dot com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get these shows uploaded uh, to your mobile device of choice automatically. You don't have to do anything. These shows, uh, they just show up as soon as we're done here with the live show. And with that, we say, let's swarm Charlotte. Well, I wish we had happy news to report when it comes to the all-star game and Kimba Walker we were eagerly awaiting uh, news to see if it leaked uh, prior to the official announcement which is going to happen at 7 o'clock p.m. all-star game reserves will be announced on TNT a special edition of their pregame show before their doubleheader Uh, so the official announcement is 7 o'clock but we've got uh, breaking news uh, this uh, report from Chris Vivia Moore, he is a reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and since TNT, Justin, is based in Atlanta, we can, we're can we pretty solid on this report uh, that the East Reserves are going to be Paul Millsap, Chris Bosh, Jimmy Butler, John Wall, Andre Drummond, DeMar DeRozan, and last, Isaiah Thomas, not Kimball Walker. Justin, your reaction, Kimball Walker, not an all-star, instead snubbed. I assumed this would happen. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> um, you know, just watching Kimba up close and, and having watched him for years now, have such a, a really good year. Um, I would say he's having the best year of his career on the offensive Absolutely. and defensive yeah. uh, ends of the floor. And, you know, man, just sadly, the Horns have just had have dealt with so many injuries and you know, have been a roller coaster. You know, Isaiah Thomas is, is having a good year. I do believe Kimba is having a better year, but I think the end all be all is the Celtics are better than the Hornets right now, and I think that's what gave um, Isaiah Thomas the nod. Yeah, I think you're right because the stats, Isaiah Thomas, his offensive stats bear out better than Kimba Walker's, but Kimba Walker unquestionably a better player at the defensive end, and I honestly thought that that would play a bigger factor when you consider that this is a coach's selection for these all-star reserves. But Isaiah Thomas, he's playing on the better team, Boston surging right now, and he has, uh, to his credit, been a very big part of that resurgence. And and Kimba Walker, he's just he's doing a valiant effort at holding this Hornets team together that's being ravaged 
by more and more injuries. The Hornets get Nick Batum back uh, last night against the Utah Jazz and then lose Jeremy Lin for who knows how long to an ankle injury. And so Kemba Walker has been a big part of just holding it together for this Hornets team. They're still under 500. They're, they could still be a playoff threat, but but are not one at this time. And I think that's probably difficult for coaches to put guys in the all-star game that are on under 500 teams if they're not playing just apps if the numbers aren't absolutely spectacular and while yes you're right Kimball Walker best year of his career he's definitely made the fifth year leap uh it, it just wasn't enough unfortunately it's he won't you know when he's asked about this he'll say um you know I don't play for individual accolades sure but you know, you go for fifty-two, and and you turn around and go he for made forty. A hell, I mean, he made a hell of a run at it, and, and he did what he needed to do to be in the conversation. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I'm not mistaken. I have the numbers. He um, his last ten games, this guy is averaging twenty-five points. That's pretty good on forty-three percent shooting. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. You know, I was like, you know, I don't think he's gonna get it, but I would like to know um, if there's any way that you can see the voting. Of possibly how close it is because I I'll mm-hmm. tell you right now if this Hornets team was healthy I think Kibble would definitely be on the All Star team but you know when yeah your team is is battling injuries and you're winning some games and then you're losing some games and you really can't find some consistency you're you're gonna give the nod to the guy on the better team is having a good year but you know um, Kimba. You know, keep playing well. Um, you're, you're doing a really good job because I'm critical of Kimba and to see him playing um, well. And and he's been a lot more efficient. Well, not, um, o- not only see. that, he's not only been a lot more efficient, but he's been efficient. We've seen him be efficient both when he's had weapons to take down his usage rate, but he's also managed somehow to continue to be efficient in these past five or six games when it's really been, I mean, he certainly had guys like PJ and Jeremy Lin and Troy Daniels step up in a big kind of way, but he doesn't have that same trust level with those guys. So his usage rate has gone up over the past five games, and he's he's managed to keep that efficiency at a higher level than he has his entire career. And that's been the big knock on Kemba. Efficiency hasn't been up to par the last couple of years, but he hasn't had those weapons. So he's he's doing it. With weapons, he's doing it without weapons. And I think another important point, this doesn't really help the argument him versus Isaiah Thomas, but I think it's an argument with him versus DeMar DeRozan, is that Kimba has not changed the way he plays the game like DeMar DeRozan has. He's simply gotten better as an offensive player, just improving the things that he's already improved. And DeMar DeRozan is in a contract year. So you expect a guy like that to step his game up and he's in his seventh year so you know he's looking for that third contract now but Kimball Walker he's uh, the ink is on the paper he is signed for the next couple of years he's simply making quotation marks the leap as a player and I just think that the the all-star the coaches that voted in this that they sort of just missed an opportunity to acknowledge a guy who was making the leap on the offensive end and the defensive end uh, but as david on twitter is pointing out uh, he said he he'd be shocked if kimba doesn't get it next year in charlotte the all-star game of course coming to charlotte in 2017 and i agree with david i just think that that they had an opportunity here to get ahead of the curve and recognize a guy who is making the leap and will certainly continue that leap in the next several years. I will say one thing about next year. Um, Kimba is playing well, but I think also team success matters. They're going to have to, I feel like it depends on how the roster is, if they're able to to keep Batum or either bring in um, a good free agent signee. But, you know, they, they have you know some good core pieces, you know, intact. And, you know, if he's playing well, Right now, you got to think, you know, he's going to go into the summer like, okay, I've I've played well. The All-Star game is going to be in Charlotte. And you know he wants to get that. Jordan wants that. The, the city wants it. Because if you ask anybody in Charlotte, 
you know, who their favorite player is from kids to adults. They scream Kimball Walker. So I, I definitely believe he won't come out and say it because that's just not the type of guy that Kimba is. But, you know, knowing that the All-Star game will be here, th- this is going down the back of his mind. Now, I didn't get it this year, but next year in my city, I have to get there. And, you know, you hope that the team is playing a lot better because they will be healthy. So I just want to boil down what you said there. I think you're essentially saying that you, in terms of the all-star selections, you want winners. I want winners. Right. Yes. Very good sound bite. It's a David Walker favorite, so I had to drop it there. Uh, We should mention also that Frank Kaminsky did not get selected for the United States team in the Rising Stars Challenge. I don't know if you remember this, Justin, but they switched it from rookies versus sophomores to United States versus the world starting last year. And uh, I just want to pull up the roster selections for that, if I can find it. Yeah, here we go. So only three rookies selected for the U.S. team roster. That is a Jalil Okafor, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns, also known as 1-2-3 in the draft order. And the rest of these guys are all uh, first-year players, sophomores. And then, of course, uh, the world team actually filled with rookies, including Hazonia. Uh, let's see, Emmanuel Moutier, uh, Neto from the Jazz, who the Hornets saw last night. And, you know, of course, Kristaps Porzingis. The young guy. So it, 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 the way they split this up now, Justin, it, I think it hurts U.S. rookies. You're not going to see as many of them in the Rising Stars Challenge. And, I mean, you can't make a case for Frank over those three guys. You know, I, I think you could argue. <laughs> um, and I'll All say right. this. I'm a Lakers fan. Um, I think, you know, knowing that it's the Lakers and that's that brand and you really want to push that. You, I feel like you could kind of go back. You could at least have the conversation between Kaminsky and Russell. Okay. Because I like, I'm, I love my Lakers and, and Russell, he, he's been good at spots. But like when you watch Kaminsky, you can see like if this guy, you know, can just continue to improve that he's going to be a good basketball player. Cause even I watch, I feel like Kaminsky, if it's not game by game, it was every two or three games where I see him do something. I'm saying, you know, this young guy, he's, He's growing more and more comfortable. Like he's going to be a good ball player. But granted, is a is a Charlotte Hornet going to get the nod over a top three pick in the Los Angeles Lakers? That's not going to happen. So it's all right, Kaminsky. Uh, you'll take that lump. But um, hopefully, you know, if he, if he keeps playing well, I definitely feel like he'll he'll definitely get in that uh, game. Uh, just one more thing on Kimba. I know that uh, if Nada is listening right now, Nada Edwards, a uh, frequent guest on the show from WFNZ, I know he's saying, uh-huh, uh, John Wall versus Kimba Walker. And I mean, if you look at the stats, per 36, they're they're pretty even. And Kimba actually gets John Wall in a couple of these stats, including three-point percentage. Kimba, per 36, shooting 36% versus John Wall's 34%. But the, I think the real separator between John Wall and and Kimba Walker, and it could be a separator between Kimba Walker and Isaiah Thomas is the assist number. Uh, Kimba Walker averaging five assists per 36 minutes uh, versus John Wall's 9.9 and Isaiah Thomas's 7.4. So, you know, if you're looking at all of these point guards, and Reggie Jackson didn't make it either. You know, he got the snub as well. And all of these point guards have this uh, similarity in that they're averaging over seven assists per 36 minutes. And Kimball Walker, that's just not who he is. He is a scorer. He's a, a natural scorer, and he's become a lot better at that. And uh, he, and I agree. I'll say I agree with Karan Butler too, who wrote an article on Kimball Walker, uh, basically campaigning for Kimba in the uh, Players Tribune. Right, that's the name of that publication, mm-hmm. and uh, basically campaigning for Kimball Walker to get the All Star bid. And Karan said that Kimba Walker has the it factor and that that should factor in to the all-star selections. When you have that killer step back, when you have what I called last night, that that rock dribble, I called it the chauffeur because it gets him where he wants to go, anywhere he wants to go on the floor, he can get there with that rock dribble. When you have those kind of moves, which I honestly think that you know, as as skilled a scorer as Isaiah Thomas is, I I think Kimball Walker's a better dribbler. I think he's got better handles. It's just Kimball Walker doesn't look to pass as much as these other guys, and he gets dinged a little bit. But also, I mean, assist, you have to understand, too, that assist, it takes two to tango. You know, it takes weapons to knock down shots. You have if, to make the shots. Right. If, if the guys that Kimba isn't delivering to... 
aren't making the shots, then then it's going to be tough. So last word on, on Kimball Walker or any of this all-star talk. About, about his handle, um, I don't <laughs> think he gets a, I don't think he gets enough. I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, Kimball, Kimball Walker is a, a very, very good ball handler. I don't want to butcher his last name, but the rookie, um, well, I don't know if he's a rookie. I think he is a rookie. The guy for the Jazz? Raul Nato. Um, Kimba yesterday hit him with a hit him with a crossover kind of behind the back hesitation and went baseline. And mm. I believe it was the t- like the first quarter, second quarter, mm. it left him. I love left one him. of the, the things that I really adore about watching Kimba Walker play is that you can recognize when Kimba recognizes I can get by this guy at any moment in time. Like you can see it. You can see it when he plays. You can see it when they call timeout and he goes to the bench. He just has this look in his eye like there's no there's nobody on that uh, backcourt that can stop me, that can stop my dribble, that can defend me. And he had that look against Sacramento as well. He was getting to the second level of that defense at will late in that game against a very good point guard. Yeah, I mean, a yo, Rajon wanted no part of Kemba Walker. I mean, he is breaking guys down in a way that we haven't seen in a long time uh, out of a, a Charlotte point guard. So it, it's very fun to watch. Unfortunately for Hornets fans, we won't be able to see him in Toronto. But as David said on Twitter, uh, we we will probably most likely see him in the all-star game in Charlotte if he continues to improve on his game and, and keep this up. All right, let's talk about this loss against the Utah Jazz final score. Should I even read it? I don't know. This is a, this was a tough it, one. It wasn't a good one. It was not a good uh, uh, game at all for the Hornets. They lose 102-73 to to the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City. Uh, the Hornets uh, tried to put up a fight. It was tied up going into the second quarter, 20-20. to but after that, it was all Utah Jazz, and they started really getting aggressive, I think, playing up on Kimball Walker a little more. Uh, Steve Clifford, after the game, just said they didn't have the energy. They didn't have the spirit level that they've played with, and it was it was pretty apparent. Kimball Walker finishes the game probably as the, the best player, 7 of 11, uh, 15 points, uh, five rebounds, one assist, but Nicholas Batum also a factor. He makes his return after that toe injury, scoring six points, ten rebounds, two assists on two of nine shooting. This is a tough one, and of course the Hornets lose Jeremy Lin to an ankle injury, uh, an injury that was uh, bothering him before this game, a nagging injury, but he rolls the ankle, and we don't know yet the extent of that injury, but it's just you know, another unfortunate loss for the Hornets in this game. Having watched the Bobcats slash Hornets for some years, I can tell you one thing. Mm-hmm. The way they play the first five minutes of a quarter, specifically the first quarter, it'll tell me exactly how the game is going to go. Mm-hmm. I would say the first six to seven minutes, I believe they had three or four turnovers. Yeah. I mean, and they were, they were bad turnovers. Like, you know, not when you you thought you were making the the right decision or your pass was too slow, just just sloppiness. And once I saw how sloppy they were, I knew exactly how the game was going to go. Now, granted, I think they were going to get blown out. I didn't. Uh, I don't think Utah is good enough to blow uh, many teams out. But last night, um, they blew the Hornets out. And uh, I would say last year, Clifford. He would always bring up the scheduling and how he felt like sometimes they would, you know, their schedules would be tough where there was their back to back. So there are three games and four nights, all types of things. And last year, sometimes I would dismiss it like, you know, everybody's going to get to a point in their schedule, you know, where where it's tough. You're not going to get a lot of practice time. Um, You're going to take West Coast trips. Guys are going to be tired. But, you know, um, the Hornets over the past, you know, their, their past couple of games, They've been playing a lot of minutes, a lot of minutes. And uh, Clifford, I don't, I don't like to say like I'm somebody is important to give somebody a pass. But um, last night, <laughs> I could tell they, they, they weren't sharp at all because I was ready to go to Twitter and say, look at this. But then I thought, OK, 
they have double overtime, overtime, not you know, not much rest in between those games. I said, you know what, Clifford, you've griped about um, scheduling before, and I didn't want to hear it, but this time I definitely will hear you out. Well, look, you may be giving them a pass, but after the game, I don't think Steve Clifford was really giving them a pass. He he said that you know he was just stating that they didn't have the energy level, they didn't have uh, the the level of spirit that you would need to beat a team like the Utah Jazz, a young, energetic team that likes to shoot the three ball, that likes to get up and down the floor, that really likes to pass the ball. So you have to not only maintain energy, but maintain a focus and understand where you are, where your man is, and where everybody is on the court. But I I don't think that he was giving them a pass. I think that he has the mentality that you play 82 games, you play the schedule that you have, and you have to come out every single game and play well. And And it honestly... You know, and, and you play with the guys you play with, and you have to go out there and win ball games. And the Hornets can, in one in one sense, have guys step up, reserve step up, and win ball games, important ball games against Sacramento. And then in the next game, go ah well, you know, we did, we just didn't have it. We didn't have enough energy. I mean, you you know, you can't do that. You have to be competitive. And I think it's one thing that the Hornets have been able to do all year is despite the adversity that this team has gone through, whether it be scheduling or whether it be injuries, they've been able to maintain a competitiveness. And in this game, they started missing open shots and the Jazz responded by hitting three-point shots and the ball stopped moving for the Hornets. The defense stopped moving for the Hornets, and it was all downhill from there. And they couldn't recover. And it was just—it was disappointing to watch, especially after their performances with the Miracle After Midnight. I mean, that was just such a a wonderful experience as a basketball fan, as a Hornets fan, and, and then to respond with this game is really disappointing in my mind. It was. I'm, I'm telling you, like when they, when they come out and you know they start turning the ball over, I can let yeah, you. Yeah, they I had what eleven you. turnovers uh, going into <laughs> halftime. That's their average. So they, again, that's uh, that's a mentality thing. That's a focus thing. I, I don't think the Utah Jazz are a team that that are really known for being aggressive on defense and turning teams over. That's just carelessness with the basketball. It is and. Um, and actually, you know what? That's, that's a good point because I feel like if you're tired, you can have the excuse of, you know, dead legs. So, you know, you miss some shots. So you might not have enough energy. But I've always said, you know, in basketball, it's an 82 game season. You're going to lose games, but it's how you lose games. Like if the Hornets would play well with the guys they had and they came up short, I believe Cliff were to say, hey, um, we fought hard, you know, come, you know, with, with some dead legs. Um, we didn't close out well, you know, we missed some cues, but you know, all in all, you know, it's all right. We can go back and we'll break down the film and we'll be ready to go. But when you just come out and it was almost as if they didn't even want to be there. Granted, you know, the, the crowd for a Utah game is not going to be like you're playing in uh golden state, but no, it wasn't, it, even, was just... it wasn't even as hyped a crowd as they had faced against Sacramento. But I, I, I thought about this. I, I'm glad you brought this up, Justin, because I did think about this during the game. I honestly think that the crowd reactions in Sacramento helped fuel the Hornets down the stretch but when you get a crowd like you had in Salt Lake that was really quiet, I mean, I did, I did. It was like a library in there. It was insane, and they. Did, it wasn't a small crowd. I mean, I didn't see the upper deck, of course, but you know they had the the, the lower level filled uh, pretty well. And and I've been to some Bobcats games where the lower level uh, you couldn't you know you couldn't pay people to get into those seats, and th- the crowd noise was still at some kind of acceptable level for an NBA game, but not in Salt Lake. It was. It was so odd, and and I think when you have a night like that where your energy level isn't 100% and you have a crowd who's not really into it, it almost, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's like the Salt Lake City crowd psyched them out a little bit. Oh, yeah, because because when, when you're tired... And you 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 got to get up for a game. You almost want a fan to be to say something nasty yeah. to you, or, or or to you know boo you vociferously because that's going to 
kind of a, a light a fire. Yeah, a little you bit. get out there and you have to play in front of the wine and cheese crowd. I think at least that would be what it would be like for yeah, me. Easy. I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, but I feel like that it would be odd to play in front of an arena where you can hear a pin drop. I just think that would be odd. It is. It is. It's not. Now, if if you you know you guys have had two or three days rest, you know you're ready to go. You don't really care too much of the crowd, to, like if you're the away team. But when, when you're beat, and then and let's I mean let's let's be honest. Granted, the Hornets aren't a, aren't a really good team. I, I, at the moment, I wouldn't even say they're a good team. I'd give them an all right team. When you when you're playing a team like the Jazz, you, nobody wants to play the Jazz anyway. It's like who we have on the schedule. Like, you, you know, oh, we're going to Sacramento. We, we got Rondo. We got Boogie. Okay, you know, we can get up for that. And you're like, oh, you know, we done won a double overtime. Then you realize, oh, we're going to, we're going to play the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. Then, you, then you get out there. You're already tired. But, you know, I'm a pro. We want to win games. We understand where we are. We're on a winning streak. You know, let's try to go extend this winning streak. And then you get out there and you have like a rocky start with the turnovers and then the crowd's not in and you're like, all right, it's a long season. Tonight's just not our night. It really wasn't their night because, again, as stated before, Jeremy Lin goes down with the ankle injury, rolling an ankle that was already bothering him. And he talked about that in an interview on The Pulse on ESPN 730 with uh, Chris Allison and Bobby Rosinski. I want to play a portion of that interview where he talks about, Lin talks about a lot of things. He talks about Kimba and Clifford and and that ankle. This was earlier in the week. Let's take a listen. Hey, Jeremy, for Kemba, and last night, uh, not, not the greatest shooting night for him, 5 of 25, but but during the stretch, he was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week this past week, had the 52, a Hornets franchise record a week ago against the Utah Jazz. What has he meant to this team when you guys have seen so many players be out with injuries? Uh, everything. You know, he's been stable. He's been the leader, and uh, he's kind of, you know, we feed off his energy. And, um. You know, honestly, you know, we're, what, 22 and 23, but I, I can't even imagine what we'd be without him. Um, and, uh, you know, we have definitely hit a rough stretch in terms of injuries. Um, and so he's been kind of the one guy who's played every single game and um, just really, really been trying to lead. And, and he's been, you know, great for us. Great. Kemba. Uh, I, think, I think he should be an all-star, so. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see if Kemba get there. He definitely deserves it, what we've seen this year. What did you know of Kemba prior to, to joining this basketball team? Uh, he was an, I, Prior, all I knew was that he was a nightmare to guard, um, I, you know, having played against him. But I didn't know anything else about him, his personality or anything. But really impressed. Um, very humble guy. Very hard worker. Down to earth. If you uh, hung out with him, uh, you would never know that, you know, he was an NBA player or, you know, Eastern Conference where, you know, all these things, you just, he doesn't talk about himself and he doesn't carry, you know, a certain type of vibe that, you know, that he's above everybody else. Jeremy Lin here on ESPN 730. Jeremy, with these injuries, Zeller's out now and, you know, obviously Big Al's going through the this, this stretch right now where he's trying to get back, Lamb out, uh, the, the, you know, the team dealing with Nick Batum also not on the floor right now. In a weird way, does that pull you together in some sense uh, when you know you see a guy like Daniel step up and hit 28 last night? I mean, uh, is the adversity of injury somehow pulling this team tighter? Yeah, I do because I think um, I think you know we learn a lot about ourselves. I think actually you know it started in Orlando, down 19, and the group that was on the floor. You know, we had Brian Roberts out there. We had Troy Daniels, who, two guys who have had their fair share of DNPs and just have been continually working hard and staying ready. And um, they stepped up and got us that win. And uh, it just kind of, and then we just kind of built off of that. You know, just getting more and more momentum. And um, it's a fragile thing. You know, we could easily go on a slide starting tomorrow, or we can go the opposite direction and just continue to build this thing out and um you know i think like what exactly what you said is very much the case um that when you're kind of back against the wall either you kind of crumble or you you're you just look at each other and you're like look we are we're all we have and we gotta figure it out and so i feel like that's what the guys have been trying to do jeremy lynn here on the pulse espn at 7 30 hornets 129 128 over the sacramento kings last night and troy daniels who you've touched on here during this interview 
eight threes. Your guys as a whole at 20, a franchise record for the Charlotte Hornets. But for Troy, uh, Jeremy, a guy a lot of times gets, you know, the old DNP did not play uh, for coach's decisions. What's it, What's he been like as a teammate, and how good was it to see a guy like that get rewarded for the performance last night? Um, it's awesome because he works really hard, and, um, you know, it's it's uh, like if you guys could have been in the locker room yesterday, you would have seen just how genuinely happy every single person was for him and for the team. Um, we have such a great group of guys. I mean, high character, and, they, you know, the people here really care about each other, and um, it's just a great environment, and, and Troy is just a, you know, last night was like a perfect example of just the character of the guys to stay ready and to always be patient with the process and to be ready when, when the team needs them. Coach Clifford has brought up defense a lot uh, during the last month or so uh, for your basketball team. What's been the message from him, and how do you feel like this team is doing right now on the defensive side? Uh, I mean, we just got to get it done. You know, I think we've been um, very, very – um, just, I don't think we've, I don't think we've come close to reaching our potential on the defensive end. You know, I think we all know we can be an explosive, dynamic offensive team, but we just haven't locked up and been, you know, uh, doing, you know, executing the coverages the way we need to. And so, coach has been on us, and I feel like the last two games we've had really good stretches: Orlando, New York. I know last night, Cousins had 56. Um, so, you know. But he, he was, you know, he played amazing, but we still found a way to win. And you guys soon will get the return of Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who uh, is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. You haven't had the opportunity to play with him uh, on this basketball team because of the injury that took place in, in the preseason. But what do you know about his defense, and what do you think it will add this basketball team? Honestly, I don't know that much um, because, you know, he got hurt so early. The only thing I know is the time that I spent with him first couple of weeks of training camp, you know, we were doing these one-on-one drills and, you know, I've never seen somebody block that many shots in a one-on-one drill. You know, one-on-one is tough to block shots. You know, usually the guys are just shooting and either they make it or they don't. You can make it a little harder on them, but he was blocked like a lot of shots. I was very, very impressed. So it's going to be exciting when he comes back. What are you most impressed with as you watch Steve Clifford work uh, this basketball team? Um, that's actually a easy answer is how hard he works, um, how hard he works and his attention to detail. Um, I think, you know, I've played on a lot of teams and seen a lot of different coaches and, uh, you know, he's easily the hardest working one. And I mean, he watches so much film and he knows every little thing about the game. And so it's just awesome because I can learn so much than I already have, especially from the defensive end, just about technique or, even the way to think the game. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. All right, Jeremy Lynn here on ESPN 730. Good luck, Jeremy, at Utah. We also talk a lot of Super Bowl around here. You know, you have a pick for the uh, Super Bowl 50? Um, I got to go, <laughs> go with uh, Carolina. I mean, what are they, 17-1 and one or something like that? And obviously, you know, obviously Denver is their defense and everything, but We'll see. I mean, I personally think and and rooting for Carolina, obviously, especially with me living in in Charlotte now. Um, That would be awesome to see. That would be really cool. Jeremy Lin uh, making the right decision there, Justin, uh, on his interview on The Pulse with Chris Allison and Bobby Rosinski. You can listen to that show every weekday, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., the old drive time. You can listen to them live on ESPN 730 AM or ESPN730.com. And in the audio vault, they post the best interviews, the best segments from that show on ESPN730.com. And it was a great interview. And, and Lynn, he, you know, correct answer there, Jeremy. You want Carolina to win. It didn't sound like he was really that interested in no, the you, game. And, no. you, and, you, and you definitely can't be on there uh, two weeks out of the Super Bowl and say, well, you know, I like Peyton a lot. Um, that would be really honest You know, you can't, like, you, you can't do that. He, he should have came he learned, out. He learned from Frank Kaminsky's early mistakes on barbecue and yeah. the like that you just, you just, you say what you need to say, especially when it's probably a subject that, I, you know, I don't know if he cares all that much about football, but if it's a subject you don't care all that much about, just go with the home team. Oh, yeah. And uh, so good stuff there from Jeremy Lynn. One of my favorite parts was talking about 
MKG and his tenacity in the one-on-one drill, blocking guys on the one-on-one drill. And that's, I mean, that's encouraging to hear. And what's also encouraging to hear, we're hearing more and more whispers about MKG coming back. We've heard whispers that it could be as soon as this upcoming game against the Portland Trailblazers Friday, but they're keeping it. Uh, the Hornets keeping that information so far on the DL. Uh, it, there was a, a quote in this CBS uh, sports article, someone asking Clifford about MKG, and Clifford says, he's close to playing. I think he's ready to play. The big thing now is just being safe with his shoulder. The doctors want to make sure we give him the proper maximum time that we're as sure as we can be that he won't go out and hurt it again. And I think that's important, Justin, you have to be careful with this injury, especially when you consider the other thing that Clifford said about getting MKG back into this lineup, and that's that he will start immediately. He's going to immediately get 30-plus minutes of action. And we've seen other instances where Clifford has been more careful with guys in terms of getting them back up to speed. Big Al Jefferson being an example earlier this year, you know, getting him 15 to 20 minutes as a reserve and then working him back into the starting lineup, but not with MKG because, and this is from Clifford again, he's so vital and he has all of the things that the Hornets need at this moment in time. So they want to get him back immediately into the starting lineup. So when you make that decision, you then have to be careful about exactly when you want to put him back in. I I think being careful is the most important thing right here because coming back from injury, I think the big thing is is being confident. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, just from watching him run around in two-on-two, yeah. you know, if you asked him, he'd probably go out there and play right now. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, just having recently re-signed him and, and making him a part of your staple going forward, I, I don't think you rush him back, but I do think um, – He'll be back really soon. Um, I'm thinking either the Friday after um, All-Star Week, I believe it's February 19th, um, they'll be on a road trip. Or if not, um, I see March 1st when they their first game out of uh, All-Star break in Charlotte. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw Al Jefferson out there either, but granted Al's a little bit older. You maybe wait till the second week, but Charlotte needs uh, both of those guys, and M- MKG specifically. Because he's he just infectious with his energy level. He he will dive. There could be a chance that he's not going to get the ball. And he probably knows he's not going to get the ball. Mm-hmm. But he will dive, leave it all out there to try to get a ball that he knows he's not going to get. And when you see somebody else working that hard, you say, you know, I can bust my tail too. And you need that energy because Charlotte hasn't been, you know, the defensive team that, you know, people grew Colin to know said and in love. The interview that he said that this team has not reached – its potential defensively, or at least consistently. We've seen this team earlier on this year when they were a little healthier be a good defensive team, but they haven't been able to maintain that as we've progressed on into the season. And and they need it. And that's a guy. And also, I think it would help the team's confidence because they, they know. I'm, I'm pretty sure you know if you get these guys back, because I remember, um, granted, they didn't have MKG to start the year, but when everybody was healthy, and they were actually playing well. Kimball's like, you know, we're a good basketball team. And and a lot of it is is belief. And I actually remember this. I think Clifford said this quote about, I think maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. And he said, yeah, our guys in the locker room believe. But it's hard, it's hard to have belief when you don't play defense. And there's one person. There's a glue guy. They're a linebacker on the defensive end. It's Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So just having him back, mm-hmm. I think that'll that'll you know fix some of the holes and and I think when healthy, I think they'll they'll definitely make a strong push. You just have to be slightly careful. Um, he's still a young player. You don't want to rush him back because I, I don't want to go too drastic of an end. But you know Chicago put so much pressure on Rose to come back, and when he wasn't, he felt like he probably should not have come back that early, and he's been nicked up since he's come back. So I think just watching that, you say, okay, we want to make sure he's 100% confident he's ready to go. We know he wants to play, but let's just be confident. And, and, and when we get, um, once we get the clearance from the doctors, you know, we know he's in good shape, so we're going to yeah. throw him out there and let him run. Because the nightmare scenario is a re-injury to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. That would be an absolute nightmare. Uh, going back to Twitter, one of our favorite followers did Carolina win last night, tweeting us, 
in response to our tweet where we asked uh, everyone if they thought it would be too soon to bring Michael Kidd Gilchrist back for the Trailblazers game on Friday and did Carolina win last night saying, unless you are a trained sports orthopedist, you should not have an opinion. Well, if you're a trained sports orthopedist, you're you're sitting there going, "Yes, it's finally my time." It is. No, no, cares. I think that um, I think you can have an opinion because I think Hornets fans have endured so many injuries that I would hope that Hornets fans would would err on the side of caution. And I know how tough it's been to watch these games where you know they allow. A hundred points to the Utah Jazz. They've uh, they've allowed triple digits to a lot of teams this season. When when we've been used to seeing the Hornets be a, a much better defensive team, I understand where you would want to see MKG back as soon as possible. But on the other hand, we've also just seen so many injuries. And I joked earlier that the Time Warner Cable might have been. Uh, built on top of some kind of mystical burial ground because there just seems to be this absurd amount of misfortune when it comes to injuries. And it's a testament. Honestly, I mean this. It's a testament to the guys on this team and the coaching staff and the organization as a whole that this team hasn't completely fallen apart and and dipped down to to, to really poor levels because, you know, I think if if you enjoy competitive basketball, you you would prefer a team play well every other night as opposed to just going out there and being like the Lakers or or the 76ers. Now of course, if you're in favor of tanking, then you you, you don't like that, but I just think it's a testament to these guys and the organization that throughout all of these injuries they've been able to maintain uh that you know competitiveness and and stay in this uh, playoff chase. You know it's it's almost uh, similar to what the Panthers and th- their mantra is of of keep pounding. I, mean, I I think it starts. No, excuse me. I know it starts with Clifford. Clifford's a guy that I mean it's rare that he makes excuses. And you know if he has a, a team full of reserves, he he's still going to put his hours in in the film room and. He he's still going to put together a game plan that he feels that'll that'll help his team at least have a chance to win. And 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 one thing I've, I've always said is uh, they have a they have a locker room of high character guys. Even when they have been awful, Clifford would usually say it's it's not effort. Mm-hmm. You know, like these guys want to win and they go out and compete. Now, granted, some nights you don't play well. He've always said, you know, if you don't play well, if you don't shoot well. Um, people like to say you didn't have the effort. That's not that. Maybe the detail wasn't there or the discipline wasn't there. And one thing I can say is it's difficult um, coaching grown men. Um, It's difficult, but guys are making money. Not only grown men, but, and I was going going to save this point for when we preview the Lakers game, but maybe we just won't preview the Lakers game. That might be better. But... It's difficult coaching grown men who have outstanding talent, more talent in their arena than, uh, you know, 95, 99% of other people who play the sport. And they have a lot of money as well. And so they li- they, they are extraordinary people and they have extraordinarily or extraordinary amounts of money. And it's difficult, I think, to tell those guys, hey, do this, do that. Maybe don't do this, don't do that. And you look no further than Byron Scott, who continues to struggle in Los Angeles to deal not only with the veterans, but D'Angelo Russell, his star rookie. I mean, those guys cannot get on the same page. And then you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, who have a worse record, but Brett Brown is an amazing coach, and he's been able to get those guys to buy in to to what he's selling, he just doesn't have the talent. But but to me, and Brett Brown and Coach Clifford are actually very close. They both come from Maine. They they know each other very well. Uh, but Brett Brown has led an extraordinary extraordinary life. He's he coached internationally. He lived in Australia for a while. And I think when you have those life experiences, it's much easier to relate with guys who are extraordinary and coach Clifford has been with extraordinary teams. He's coached with 
extraordinarily talented coaches. And so I think he can relate with guys on that level. And and it's it's about gaining respect. And we saw that with the Blatt situation in Cleveland. It wasn't about people wanted to make it, try to make it, spin it, that he wasn't a talented NBA coach, but I don't buy that. I think it's it was a simple matter of he rubbed people the wrong way. He didn't know how to interact with uh, these professional athletes because it's it's an entirely different ball game, even than college, where you have guys who are very gifted and and players who may be getting extraordinary money. You just don't know. Um, but I just think it takes a, a special uh, kind of guy to deal with that kind of relationship because it's a special relationship. It is. You you have to. Because it's and, and even like to the the Blatt situation is you have your your star player just just undermining you and and one thing in Charlotte is that's not gonna fly. Um, I remember what was it Mike Dunlap was here one time and one time and, yeah you know one, one, hey, one time or another he was here and what was his big his big thing was not was it kill spots. I don't his his big his big thing. I don't mean to make fun. I just, just this it is the something. memory that I have of of Dunlap. He wanted players to take shots uh, where they would most likely make them, but it was specific places on the floor, and he wanted to get those players there. And I think he called them kill spots, but it was just it was funny. It hey, didn't work. Hey, he he also <laughs> spoiler wanted, alert they they couldn't get to the kill spots. He also he got killed. Wanted to press. Uh, full court for 82 games, and we see where Mike Dunlap is right now. <laughs> well, um, hope just, all is yeah, well, Mr. Dunlap. It didn't work. It did not work. And, you know, it's just not going to happen with the Mike Dunlap-Ben Gordon thing. Um, ben Gordon was, like, bouncing the ball when, um, you know, when Dunlap was trying to speak to the team. You know, they had a little falling out. That's not going to fly under Clifford. And why? Because there's a respect level. There's a healthy respect because the team buys in. He believes in his players. Well, look, he came, so he came out uh, after that Utah game and basically had a no excuses. These guys have to perform better and with a better energy level. And I, I, I honestly believe that that message, because you hear it from the guys when they go and do these radio interviews, you hear those same things being repeated. And that's same the thing. sign. That's a sign that the guys are, they understand. They understand that Clifford's not saying that to throw them under the bus. He's saying that because that was reflected in what happened out there. And it's also a matter of Clifford is giving them a game plan that makes sense to them and that they think they can win with. And as long as you have those two things, then the onus is on you as a player. If you have the game plan and it's a game plan that you you understand and you can buy into and you think is winning basketball then it's up to you to go out and execute it and i think that's where the hornets are now you know just trying to they have the ability because they show it in these overtime victories they have to just go out and do it every quarter every game it's a very difficult thing to do and that's why there are only five or six you know title contenders in the league because you have to have the talent and the energy level or you know, even the Cavs and the Spurs faced that against the Golden State Warriors. And they got blown out. Like, right. I, I think that just shows how good Golden State is. Just to just to follow the NBA and watch it and know how tough it is night in and night out. And they blew out the Mavericks as well. So no and one no one is immune nobody. to the Warriors virus. Nobody. There is no there is no vaccine. Uh, there is no cure. The Warriors virus uh, will eventually uh, cause your team to wither and be championshipless. Let's talk about this upcoming game. We don't know if MKG will play or not. Batum was kind of a surprise. He was questionable all up until game time. All of a sudden, he's out on the court. uh, And he he looked like he's getting back into a little bit of a rhythm scoring-wise. So we're probably going to have to wait on a, a few games for Batum to get back to Batum level scoring. And then the same thing, it could happen with MKG as well. As soon as we see him back, I don't know if we'll see him be uh, the same kind of defensive game changer uh, until maybe two or three games back. You know, it takes guys a little bit to get back into a rhythm. But this Portland team is in a rhythm right now. Uh, they're winners of their of six of their last eight 
three of their last five. They've really surprised everyone, Justin. They've managed to stay healthy, but they had so much roster turnover, including Nick Batum and LaMarcus Aldridge, who went on to play with the Spurs this season. But they're playing far above expectations, and so much of it has to do with the two guys up front, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, playing extremely well. Damian Lillard, another guy that got snubbed in this all-star reserve race. He's not going to be playing as an all-star either. Those two those two are exciting. Granted, you know, you don't really get to see a lot of Portland basketball, but CJ and and Lillard, they're they're definitely fun to watch. I'll say this right now. Um the other night, Kimball Walker, which he doesn't do this all the time, but he was going under the screens yesterday, and Utah was yeah. making him pay for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad, he, I'm glad you brought that up. If he goes that under screens, Damian Lillard, you will and get CJ? eaten alive. And that's energy level. I think, you know, we, we there are words that get thrown around like energy level, and they're substitutes for sort of in depth basketball speak. And I think that's one of the things where, and, and it's also a substitute that coaches can use or or announcers can use to not call out a specific player or call out a specific moment in a game but i think that's where that translates energy level going under screens and utah made them pay and you're right portland they'll do the same thing because they're a good three-point shooting team and they have those excellent guards and and, and they play you know it's interesting because terry stotts is our coach okay Terry Stotts is a guy who's known for flow offense. I think if Terry Stotts had his way, that offense in Portland would be much uh, more like the offense that's in Utah, where it's just pass, 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 all the bigs pass. But he doesn't have those passing bigs. He's got he's stuck with Plumlee and Vonley and uh, Leonard, and and those guys just aren't very skilled passers. They're not terrible, but they're just not elite passers underneath, and so. I think Stotts is sort of forced into, and this is a good thing to be forced into, giving the ball to Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and saying, go make a play. And so far, their ISO offense has, and it sort of defies everything we think about basketball, Justin, because we keep being told, like, move the ball, move the ball, don't let the ball stick, no ISO, ISO's bad, it's a bad word. But McCollum and... And Lillard are killing guys on ISO ball. Those dudes are dynamic. Taking thirty plus shots a night between them and 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 scorching. I mean, the, the, those guys, they're good. Um, I think it should be really exciting. Granted, Batum won't won't be a hundred percent. Um, he'll uh, but of course he's going to be motivated. You know, he, he's he's back in Portland. But I look forward to watching uh, Kimba. And, and Dame Lillard go at it. Like I, I really think that can be a fun matchup. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm actually excited for that. It's rare. I'm excited for a lot of games because sometimes in the NBA, everybody doesn't show up all the time. But this game, and you know, I'm I'm a small dude. I'm a guard. I love watching guard play. So I'm I'm excited for this <laughs> game. Like this, if if this game, if they don't score between close to nine, if they don't get you? ninety to hundred, how tall are you? You know, um, it's interesting. I like to say I'm five ten because I am five nine and three fourths. So I do round what up. What does your license I say? Up. Um I think I lied on my license. I, I think it we, says I'm five I ten. I didn't lie, but I got nervous at the DMV and I said like six one or something. I and think it, I'm, I think it says I'm a cool I'm a cool five eleven. You know, I'm def oh yeah. It says five ten. I'm definitely five nine and three fourths, but you know, it just makes me well, sound that's more not appealing. a bad lie. That's a you know, no one's gonna measure a a quarter of an inch. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I felt the same way. Thank, thank you for agreeing. But with listen, me. I mean, the the NBA is a game of inches. It's a game of quarter inches when it comes to height. Uh, so that would matter in the NBA. It doesn't matter so much on the the, the NC DMV. Uh, I did pull up this interesting point. Uh, the last time the Hornets played Portland, it was earlier this season. It was in Charlotte, and the Hornets really ran the Trailblazers out of the building. Uh, uh, really, I think it was almost a 20-point victory, and Portland made a little run in the fourth quarter to bring it closer. But here are your DNP CDs, otherwise known as did not play coaches' decisions for the Hornets. So coaches' decision, a.k.a. not injured, just didn't play. Troy Daniels, Frank Kaminsky, and Tyler Hansbrough. Now those guys are key rotation pieces because this team is... Um, 
facing uh, more injuries across the board than I've ever experienced covering the team or watching the team as a fan. I just can't remember a time when the team was more decimated by injuries. And that's what I really, if I say anything this show, it's that I just want folks to, to kind of think about this team is three and two. The Hornets are three and two in their last five. Think about the players they've had to play. Nobody. So that's, it's amazing. And even getting run out of the gym in Utah, they're still three and two in their last five. And that's crazy. That's insane. Shouldn't happen. It defies logic. And if this team was covered nationally, it would be a big story. It would be. If this was the Cavs and they were down to Kyrie Irving and and the Chipmunks, then <laughs> that was good. Like, like this would be a big story, but because it happens in Charlotte, it's not. So that's what I want to say about the Portland game. Also, that, uh, that, you know, listen with with Portland. I mean, you, it, it starts with Damian Lillard. It starts with C.J. McCollum. You have to be not only disciplined on the pick and roll, but you have to fight like dogs uh, against the, the that pick and roll and, and make sure you're going to give up some things inside. And this team, this Portland team, is not a great team defensively. Uh, over the last five games, they've given up the, the, the best three-point shooting percentage. So here's another point, and we can go back to the Utah game to see this. The Hornets have to hit open looks from three. Hello. Guard the three, and when you're open, hit the three. There's just no you, – you have to hit the shots you're given. You know, Charlotte – People say, shoot your shot, make your shot. This is a shoot your shot 2016 for those who don't know. <laughs> and sometimes it's frustrating watching the Hornets because they get a lot of good looks from three. And the problem is they'll just miss them. Yeah. They'll, they'll just miss him. So, actually, you know one thing that'll help them? If Troy Daniels can shoot and stop trying to put the ball on the floor, five turnovers, yeah. nobody's asking him to, to break people down off the dribble. We want you to shoot the basketball. If you can't get that look, I you dribble to pass it. Don't dribble to try this to create. Is, this is high speculation. I know it's preposterous, but is it preposterous, you think? I had to get my speculation drop. Uh, this is some high speculation, but I wonder if after that performance, you shoot 8 of 11. I know Troy Daniels says, you know, I'm a confident guy. You know, I shoot it when I've got it, and I believe I can make it. I believe him when he says that. But I think that I have a sense sometimes when I go on a hot streak uh, shooting in a pickup game, and then we take a rest and it's time for the next pickup game. There's just some little thing in the back of my head that goes, was that just a, was that just a hot streak? And you, you hesitate. And when you hesitate just a little bit, you turn the ball over in the NBA. So I just, again, that was major speculation. I don't know Troy, but I'm just saying from my personal experience, when I've gotten on a hot streak on anything um, there, when you take a break and then you come back to it, I think that hot streak plays into it when you don't when you haven't done it consistently over your career. I think it's simple. He needs to shoot and not try to create. Shoot your shot. Hey, he does that. Shoot your shot, but do not try to create. He tried to create, and the man had five turnovers. Stick right. to shooting, and he's good to go. Troy, stick to stick to sports. Stick to shooting. Uh, okay, we're we're wrapping it up here. Thanks for listening uh, to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN Seven Thirty, and thanks to Seven Thirty for. Um, and, and after the Panthers uh, get done with this run, whatever happens, I'm not saying anything, jinx, knock on wood, oh God, but after this uh, is over, we'll be doing this show from the ESPN studios, but they're pretty busy over there, so we have to give the Panthers and, and their amazing run it, its due, but after that, uh, it, it's time to get serious about the Hornets, um, and not a, the casual fan, I think, will start to get serious about the Hornets, so we'll be doing the show from the ESPN studios, but you can listen right here on HiveTalkLive.com or make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and get these shows downloaded directly to your mobile device. I want to preview what's coming up on the Saturday sit-down. Um, just go to AtTheHive.com and l- let me let me get the, the title of this article correct because I don't want to... I don't want to misread the title of this article. Very interesting stuff. We've had this guy on the Saturday sit-down before. He's a new writer to At The Hive named Jack Bedrosian, and he wrote an article called Cody Zeller and Drafting Whiteness. 
It's a very interesting article. I encourage you to go and read it. We're going to have Jack on the show. We're going to have Nada Edwards giving his thoughts on the show, uh, on this article. It, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there, and I encourage you to, uh, as as our editor Josh uh, said, look past the the title and, and make sure to dig into this article and really read it. And we want your thoughts. Make sure to tweet us at Hive Talk Live and give us your thoughts on that article because we will be discussing it in depth on the Saturday sit-down. And with everything going on with the the Panthers in the Super Bowl and and Cam Newton, uh, race and sports, I think, Justin, has never been at a a higher level of of conversation. And so it was an interesting time for the article to come out, and I I think uh, it's worth the conversation. And Nada Edwards always has interesting uh, interesting things to say on coded language in sports, and so I think it's going to be a really uh, interesting and informative interview. That means people, um, you listen, should listen. Listen on Saturday. You don't have anything else better to do. Right, yeah. You there's no well football. Listen. It's no, there's no, there's zero football. No brainer. So make sure Saturday at noon is when that drops. Uh, thank you, Justin, for uh, joining me. As always, this was a good show, a good uh, second showing for us. And uh, make sure, again, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, and we will be back for the Saturday sit-down. And then, of course, we're live on Tuesday, 6 o'clock p.m. For Justin, I'm Doug, saying stay bought in, stay believing, all hail the teal and purple.